Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad, no one will film it. These brave podcasters will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads with Sean McBee, Jeff Lewis, and Joshua Baker. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Uh, We had a little bit of video problem there. I don't know why. OBS is not uh, being helpful right now. Um, but we seem to be working now, so that's fine. I had to do a little yeah. bit of stuff manually. It's 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 okay. I blame the coronavirus. Uh, you know, at this point, I was I was gonna say something about like you know if you guys are living in a world where coronavirus is not a thing anymore, just remember we recorded this a while back. But I don't I don't think there's any chance that you're not still under lockdown right now. Oh my so, god! What if they? What if? What if somebody just found the podcast and they started at episode one? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's like it's like fifty years in the future. That's <laughs> true. Like, this like, this oh does god. live on the internet forever. Uh, I did Sean forget that. Strikes. <laughs> oh, let's let's not have that happen. Um, this uh, is it. This is the final part of Watchmen uh, by Sam Hamm, the nineteen eighty nine script. And I'm I'm excited to see how this finishes up. Will there be a squid? Will there not be a squid? Only time will tell. And it's time to find out. Previously on Table Reads. Oh boy, a lot has happened. The comedian has been killed. Doctor Manhattan has left the planet. Rorschach went to prison. There was an attempt on Adrian Veet's life, and Laurie and Dan had the most dramatic arc. Starting as friends, they battle with erectile dysfunction, then admit the super suits were always for fucking anyway, and after a successful visit to Bone Town, they get into a limp fight. And then finish off their evening by springing Rorschach from prison. When we left off, they were heading out of the prison with Rorschach. Next stop, Antarctica. Fade in. Exterior, airstrip, night, music. A well-concealed runway somewhere in the heart of the Rocky Mountains. Lights sweep the sky as ground crews run to and fro. Air Force One is coming in for a landing. Interior, underground command bunker, a moment later. Lots of activity, armed troops, top brass, and (coughs) technicians milling about. Flashing panels on the walls read DEFCON 2. Secretary of State Liddy watches as a metal door clangs shut and what looks like a golf cart comes tooling around a long metal ramp. President Nixon's in the passenger seat. (laughs) Just Nixon in a golf cart. Uh, And there's an imposing pile of luggage in the back. He appears to be contemplating a long stay. Hey, uh, just a side note, we can't hear any of the sound effects or anything like that. Oh, excellent. I'm, I'm hoping they're working, but I'm just saying we can't. 
I will deal with that on the break. Uh, but Jeff yeah. has a Nixon line. Hello, Gordon. Have you seen Pat? She's all settled in. Wait, are you Liddy or am I Liddy? You can be Liddy. I'll be Liddy. The continuity. <laughs> what continuity? <laughs> She's all settled in. They want you down in the command room right away. Liddy hops aboard, and the golf cart turns down a seemingly endless corridor, which leads deep into the bowels of the Rockies. Weatherman says we're looking good. We've got a 14-hour window. 14 hours, huh? 14 hours. Unless, of course, the Reds decide to hit us first. Cut to interior owl ship night. Lori's following the Watchmen press coverage on an overhead screen. In a daring midnight jailbreak, earlier eyewitness reports placed the one-time superheroes at a peace rally in... Uh, hold on. Sorry, I thought you had more to read. Oh, no. that's... <laughs> this is the dialogue. Yeah, it's, it's poorly, it's it's poorly uh, yeah. formatted, yeah. We don't have the script on the screen. I was trying to fix that while you had lines. While Dreberg and Rorschach sit side by side at the control console, occupied by other matters. I don't know if you heard, a hired gunman tried to off Adrian. Fight's a fool. Trying to warn him a few about new information. Sicked his mangy cat on me. What new information? Blake investigating missing scientists for CTU. Dr. Manhattan somehow involved. Scratching his chin. Strange that no one's tried to attack you, Daniel. There's an unmistakable tone of suspicion in his voice. Thank you for giving us the direction after. Right? <laughs> Keep fucking me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, how am I supposed to read it? And after it, they're like, oh yeah, do that. And I'm like, fuck! Dreberg, highly offended, shoots him a look of supreme resentment. I beg your pardon? Some gratitude. Will you two lovebirds keep it down? Still grumbling at each other, Dreberg and Rorschach glance up at the monitor Lori's watching. The face of Adrian Veet fills the screen. The man behind the watchman, high-tech wizard Adrian Veet, was unavailable for comment. A spokesman claimed he had left for Antarctica to study a mysterious hole in the ozone layer. Ozone layer? Christ. Couldn't he just admit that he's scared? But two... Exterior, Antarctica, night. The last rays of sunlight bleed towards endless frozen plains of pristine white. A private aircraft descends toward an incongruous strip of black, part of a massive complex of buildings centered around what looks like a nuclear power plant. In fact, it is one. This is Carnac. <laughs> That's another one of those fantastic reveals. Like... Right. What president could this possibly be sitting in the shadows? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> fuck, now I lost my spot. Sorry, I had to point out a funny reveal. <laughs> uh, oh, there we go. This is Karnak, Veet's Antarctic Retreat. Interior, Karnak, night. The entry hall is vast and lavish, appointed in the same Egyptian style as his urban pyramid, but on a grander scale, 
A fur-clad figures a fur-clad figure enters in a flurry of snow, followed by a genetically altered lynx on the end of a leash. Four Asian lackeys appear to greet him. One of them takes his parka. A second serves him hot coffee from a silver tray. A third takes the leash and brushes snow from the back of the lynx. Number four is in charge of protocol. Welcome, sir. We did not expect you so soon. P. Bubastis, I'll have dinner when I've looked in on the world. They hear and obey. Two of them fall in behind Veet and follow him too. Oh, I realized what was going wrong with all my setup. One second, I can fix this. Okay. We need that, like, the now this American will, Indian thing. Now this will work properly. Oh, oh you do need the intermission uh, <laughs> asset. Let's all go to the Let's all go to yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's all go to the lobby. <laughs> I can edit that shit in. I'm not going to, hey. because I'm lazy. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I could. no, boo. Can you guys see me on Skype? Yeah. Yeah, I can see you. Oh, weird, because the red light is not on on my camera. All right. Uh, you know, it's 120 Wait. episodes in. <laughs> we're just getting the hang of this. If we think you're on the camera, uh, we're on the phone camera. We're on the camera that's on the desk. To yeah. your right. Oh, okay, yeah. Wait. There? Yeah, that, yeah, that one. one. Oh, that one. weird. That's not the right one. <laughs> I, I felt like a serial killer for a second. <laughs> watching you, Sean. He's like, from Would where? Would you like to play a game? <laughs> I have a camera set up for Skype right above the camera that is recording me for... So we could like look at each other and talk, like yeah, like it's been that way. But then this one, I was like, "Ooh, wide angle." Another thing, yeah, it's it's during it's break. showing that we're not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys can just see me being lonely. You I'm can, pretending oh, my friends are here. If you just copy and paste us in our spots, like there's nothing <laughs> different. So funny, little video. squares, little yeah. squares. Love. <laughs> Don't do, good, don't do good Sean McBee Photoshop, though. Do shitty Photoshop. No, I, I gotta say, <laughs> as soon as this uh, this whole thing is over, I'm getting life-size cardboard cutouts made of you guys for when... You can borrow mine. The, for the next pandemic. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> the next one. The second curve. COVID-20. 20. 20. <laughs> the electric boogaloo. This time it's personal. <laughs> It's always personal. Um, <laughs> where, where are we? Uh, 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 you're in 204. Yeah, let's do that. Here we go. Interior, information center, night. The room is empty, but for a single chair with a complicated remote-controlled keypad mounted on the armrest. Across from the chair... Red velvet curtains hang from ceiling to floor. Veet takes a seat, and his lackeys draw back the curtains to reveal a towering wall of televisions, 200 monitors and a 10 by 20 grid, picking up transmissions from all over the world. It's far more informational than the human mind could probably digest at one gulp. A hectic jumble of color and motion. Veet loves it. 
he settles in and his, and his eyes begin to rove. Angle on video wall, panning across transmissions of every variety, commercials, sitcoms, sportscasts, we settle on a screen labeled London. Veet hits the volume button on his remote and a newscaster's voice comes up. On the wall behind her is a civil defense logo. I'll be this newscaster because you're the guy newscaster and I'm the lady newscaster. You're lady newscaster. I'm a lady newscaster. Ooh, and I get to do a British accent because it's the BBC. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Best situated in a cellar room as far away from windows as possible. Cinder block walls are preferred, but a makeshift shelter can be constrained can be constructed sandbags or of boxes filled with flick and the sound dies. You okay, Jeff? It's Jeff, a Rona. Jeff is dying. The Rona got him. Yeah, but I died like a pro. I left the, the chat to be professional. And kept his headphones on so he knew what was going on. What a chance. I needed to hear I needed I needed to hear you cue me in. Flick and the sound dies. Veet's gate gaze drifts several screens to the right, to the monitor labeled Washington, D.C. Sound up. Amid rumors that top-ranking officials and military personnel have already been relocated to underground bunkers, White House spokesmen insist there are no such precautions have been yet been taken and that ongoing negotiations... Flick, sound down. Now we shift to a closed-circuit monitor at the bottom right of the bank. An exterior <clears throat> view of Veet's Antarctic retreat, as seen by a surveillance camera. Flick, same subject, new angle. Flick, a radar screen which shows no activity. The skies are clear. Flick, and now things get downright weird. Because all at once, we're watching Dr. Jonathan Osterman, the earnest you scientist from 20-some years ago. He's sitting at a table in the Gila Flats canteen, across from Janie Slater, and he's getting ready to propose. Reverse angle on Veet, eyeing young Osterman with a strange, grave smile. Cut to exterior aerial shot, night. Low angle on the owl ship as it descends slowly through the clouds. On its underbelly, a video camera grinds and rotates. <coughs> grinds? It's <laughs> <laughs> one of those stealth cameras. Oh yeah, it's it's just like janky as shit. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I spent all my money on the flamethrowers. <laughs> Interior owl ship night. Dreberg and Lori watch a monitor which shows an overhead view of the city. He punches up a series of progressive magnifications, gradually zeroing zeroing in on a single city block. It's been cordoned off. Police bubble cars are parked up and down its length. You've got my building surrounded. They must have been following you all along. She stares at him. <clears throat> the ship lurches as Dreebird kicks in the accelerator jets and takes off into the clouds. So much for Dan Dreebird, ordinary citizen. Welcome back, Night Owl. What now? Fly south? Hook up with Adrian? CTU. Could be behind Dr. Manhattan frame-up. What do you mean, frame-up? Obvious pattern. All ties in. 
Are you <clears> saying <throat> that someone would risk starting World War III just to get back at us? What about all those poor shits with cancer? <clears throat> Tight on Lori, who's listening to all this with mounting distress. How do we know they got cancer? Could be part of massive propaganda scheme. Come on, Rorschach, give me a break. It's not. Not what? Not propaganda. Pause, then putting it out. Oh, so. Christ, I'm one of them. I've got it. Dreberg swivels abruptly in his chair and gapes at Lori, his face bone white. She stares at the floor, afraid to meet his <laughs> eyes. Her grim secret revealed. For an awkward moment, neither of them can think of anything to say. Oh, man, do you think I caught a, a blue dick cancer? I dicked her. I put my dick in her. And that's where she got her cancer. Uh, she got that She got that smurf puss now. <laughs> What's up? Smurf puss. <laughs> he's, very, he's very crass, this one. Very crass. Papa Smurf uh, over here. Also, I'm trying to remember, was there this much scene direction throughout the rest of the script because you're reading a lot of like tight in like oh you mean like shot, actual angling like, up camera direction <laughs> yeah has, has there been that the whole all, time i don't think so but i mean this okay, guy, like he changes up how how rorschach talks every 20 minutes <laughs> that's true that's the, as rorschach that is absolutely true <laughs> Then Rorschach, his mind already back on the case, breaks the silence. Um, <clears throat> changes everything. Let's get moving. I just if, have if to I'm not mistaken. No, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, d- d- don't they not have cancer? Like in the book? No, he. They give them cancer, but it's from the government pumping in the gas and shit like that. That government cancer, I knew it. Oh, okay. Like radiation. I must have missed that in the last. Well, I just want to point like this when I read out. It. Lori's like, no, it's not a scheme. I also have cancer. And Rorschach, the conspiracy theorist to the core, doesn't go, are you a fucking doctor? How do you know? Did you run your own tests? Are you feeling cancerous? Like, yeah, let me like feel they your told tumors. you you had cancer. Right. I'm sure they told all of them they had cancer. That doesn't make it not propaganda. Right. That's true. That's true. He's You're like, all dying. Join the army. He's just like, shrug. Well, that changes everything. I guess everyone really does because she said someone told her she has cancer. You know, Looks one of like those, literally here. she was told by a government doctor. Right. Yep. You definitely have cancer. <clears throat> Sounds legit. <laughs> Was he? Did he give you a sucker? If he gave you one of the red suckers, you definitely have cancer. <laughs> There's definitely cancer lollipops. <laughs> cancer lollipops? <laughs> What's it, one of the blue ones? You liked that, didn't you? <laughs> 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 Exterior waterfront warehouse night. Rorschach is crouched behind an exterior wall of the warehouse. He pries off a couple of loose slats and digs around, swatting angrily at a rat which scampers out of the hole. The owl ship hovers above. Interior, owl ship, that moment. Dreberg, disconsolate, 
holds Lori quietly by the shoulder, gently by the shoulders. Jesus. <laughs> quietly. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I should have told you, Dan. I'm sorry. I just wanted things between us to be happy for a while. I... It doesn't change a thing, Lori. I love you. He tries to pull her close. <laughs> but she turns away, her eyes welling up with tears. I, I love you too, Dan. I, why don't you give me a minute to get myself together, okay? Why do you sound like a, a disinterested hooker? Like, <laughs> because I feel like I, it was so sudden. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we banged once. I love you, you know. He's like, I love you. <laughs> She's like, ah. Uh, give me a minute to get my shit, I mean, myself together. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to put, you know, old habit. I always keep my bag by the door. Just, <laughs> uh, I'll meet you in Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets her. Where are you? Oh, I went to the southern one. <laughs> I just, the other, uh, the other Arctica. The I, other Arctica. <laughs> I just forgot. I have to get something from the store. I got my my cancer's really acting up today. I I uh, need to get some. Oh some, God! I need to buy some matches. But yeah. all the cigarettes <laughs> are are match free. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we got those stupid matches. Uh, all right. Uh, exterior warehouse. That moment, night. A distraught Dreberg descends the rope ladder from the owl ship. Rorschach has uncovered a spare blot mask. With a hiss of satisfaction, he pulls it on over his head. When he turns, he sees Dreberg staring <coughs> slack-jawed at an inexplicable sight. Above their heads, the owl ship has begun to glow bright blue. Interior, owl ship. That moment, night. Lori backs against the control panel as an iridescent blue corona resolves itself into the figure of Dr. Manhattan. John, what are you doing here? I'm not here. Yeah. I'm still on Mars. I've come to collect you. <laughs> it's, it's really funny knowing you're supposed to have the booming voice when it's just you talking. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway sorry oh collect me <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> you're fine no please do it if it's better it's awesome <laughs> in the immediate future we're on mars i'm telling you goodbye you're trying to convince me to cure your illness john no i can't it will happen lori i've already seen it Neither of us can do anything to change it. Dreberg's frantically climbing the ladder. He pokes his head inside the cockpit just in time to see Lori reaching out for Dr. Manhattan's hand. Lori! Don't! Hands touch. A shimmering blue halo surrounds Dr. Manhattan and Lori, and the two of them dissolve. Stunned, Dreberg clambers aboard. There's obviously nothing he can do. Rorschach is only a second or two behind him. Where's Lori? I don't think she's coming with us. Dissolve 2. Exterior, Mars, night. A blue slit opens in the sky, mere inches above the Martian surface. Dr. Manhattan steps placidly through, and a moment later, Lori tumbles out behind him. 
She takes a couple of halting steps, then gasps soundlessly and pitches forward onto the shifting red sands. Dr. Manhattan's gone several paces before he realizes <clears> there's <throat> a problem. Eventually, though, he turns and spots Lori clawing at the air, trying and failing to draw a breath. He walks patiently back and extends his hand. Lori grabs it and is magically surrounded by a halo of oxygen. The atmosphere, I'm sorry. These things slip my mind. Jesus, John, I nearly choked. Where are we? Ignoring her, he turns. She hurries to keep pace with him. Then she stops in her tracks. Before her, in the distance, looms Dr. Manhattan's new abode, a palace of glass, vast and resplendent, towering over the barren sands. At its heart stands a gargantuan, ruby-colored hourglass, surrounded by an intricate system of gears and ratchets, spires and pendulums, the guts of a clock, transfigured into a shimmering crystalline castle. Because, as we established in one line where he said that his dad was a watchmaker, his dad was a watchmaker. And that's all the attention we've given that. But we still that's need the giant clock need. castle. She's like, she's like, why is this like this? He's like, you know, the whole my dad thing. You all know that I, story. I, I said it one time. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows my dad was a watchmaker. I mentioned it to the girl I was banging before you. Remember? You saw the flashback. <laughs> you saw the flashback. <laughs> <clears throat> I live here now. He strides placidly <laughs> forward. Lori, boggled, stumbles along after him. Cut to interior owlship, night, tight on the distraught Dreberg, his pained face illuminated by the glow of the instrument panel. Rorschach sits calmly behind him. Heading south. What's the plan? <coughs> We're running, Rorschach. We've got no place to go. We're hightailing it down to Adrian's. Fights assassin. Leads to follow. Can't just... Cases! Leads! They don't matter, Rorschach! The world's about to end! If someone is trying to kill us, it doesn't matter! Coward. Giving up. Shut up, Rorschach! <laughs> <laughs> Our character choices are making this better. <laughs> Rorschach settles back, lets out a soft, thoughtful hiss. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. You've always been a good friend. I know that. Sorry about Lori. Okay, let's just... Thank you. For a few moments, they fly on in silence. Rorschach can't leave well enough alone. Deep in thought, he scratches his chin. Fight's not stupid. Could have angle. Might be a good move. Cut to exterior, Mars, Dr. Manhattan's palace, night. Lori follows Dr. Manhattan up a ruby crystal stairway, which spirals around the exterior of his great glass castle. Off to her side, the enormous gears and ratchets which rim its core are shifting, meshing, like the quartz movement of a fine Swiss watch. This whole place is ticking. Does it keep time? Yes. In about 
30 seconds, for example, you'll tell me you're sleeping with Dryburn. You... you know about me and Dan? He gives her a cryptic smile and marches up to the next level. Gotcha. Time is the key, Lori. If I can unlock the origins of time, I'll finally be able to reconcile quantum physics and relativity. Lori looks at him cross-eyed and heaves a heavy sigh. That was not... That was not a jargony sentence to say. No. Uh. I, can re- I can reconcile quantum physics and relativity. Like, everybody knows that Einstein didn't hold truck with quantum physics and was worried that it was, like, completely counter to the theory of relativity, and scientists have been seeking to, to reconcile the two. And then Lori just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> She's like, whoa. <laughs> what kind of sandwich does that make? That's like when in a movie you see someone say like, hey, can you uh, can you get me the, the RAM modules for the computer over there? I got to I got to change the RAM in my computer. And they're like, in English, please. Right. <laughs> I need to go download more RAM. <laughs> <laughs> John, does anybody know what the hell you're talking about? Dan's just an ordinary guy, but he talks to me. When, when he looks at me, he's seeing something more than just a, a collection of atoms. Then you're sleeping with Dreberg? Well, I just... You just said... Don't act surprised. That's how time works, Lori. Everything is preordained. Even my responses. We're all puppets. I'm just a puppet who can see the strings. 30 seconds. She groans in frustration as they reach a balcony near the pinnacle of the huge glass tower. The Martian plains spread out for miles below them. Above, the stars stretch to infinity. A chill, violent wind whips across their faces. I'll be here for the next year or so. Then I'm going to work my way out toward the edge of the universe. Utterly uncorrupted by man. Isn't it beautiful? She moves to the edge of the balcony, gazes off at the bleak and fissured Martin surface. Suddenly, she feels very alone and frightened. John, there's something I have to know. Did you love me once? Yes, I loved you. I left the earth when I lost you. Yet... You must have known all along that you'd give me cancer, just being with me. I didn't give you cancer, Lori. Not you, not the others. I don't know what did. But you knew that I'd die. Memories of the future are just like any others. I've tried not to dwell on the unpleasant ones. You won't die of cancer, Lori. There won't be time for that. Lori's blood runs cold as she realizes what he's telling her. Then it's going to happen. The world's going to end. And you've always known. Always. Ever since the day I died. He walks a few paces up the crystalline steps and surveys the forbidding Martian landscape. Behind him, Lori buries her face in her hands. Do you understand me, Lori? 
do you see what it's been like for me these last years, knowing that everything I knew and loved would be destroyed, and that by leaving Earth, I would be the helpless agent of its destruction? <laughs> then why don't you do something about it? Because... Because you can't. I know, it's preordained, so sorry, I forgot. John, this this script you're following, who, who writes it? Sam Ham. <laughs> I want more money. I don't know yet. I should be able to tell you in roughly 600 years. That about tears it for Lori. She storms over and grabs him by the shoulders. I can't stand any more of this. I want to go back. If I'm going to die, I want to be with other people. Please, Lori. Not yet. I've got eons stretching before me. A universe to explore. I'll be alone. You're the last human being I'll ever see. Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. What's up, docs and docettes? Trevor Thompson, the self-appointed Looney Tunes critic here, and if you like old cartoons and watching online reviewers dissect them, then you probably said the same thing I did about two years ago. Hey, what the fuck? Bear, watch your language, you bud. Every Saturday morning, I do a brand new commentary of a Warner Brothers short. All throughout the month, I do video essays examining the history of these cartoons. Catch my videos on youtube.com slash ferriswheelhouse2, or just use the hashtag LooneyTunesCritic. And now, here's Eric Bauza, the new voice of Bugs Bunny. <laughs> You've been listening to the Looney Tunes critic. Ain't he a stinker? Lights, camera, action. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, back to table reads. So there's something really important I wanted to say uh, that we did not acknowledge last week. And that is that last week was Josh's 50th episode of Table Reads. Hey! Wow, I've done this a lot of times. That's crazy. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! I'm really excited about it, actually. And soon, that will make Josh the longest-running Table Reads co-host of all time. We just gotta get to, like, another script or so, and you'll be there. Oh my god! Oh man! I didn't know oh. I was fucking working. Come with at me, Jeff. Come at me, here. Jeff. What the fuck? I got somehow. Down? I got somehow pass him. We need to get, we get him some rolls where he doesn't read. Jeff's gonna yeah, show up worry. one day and, and gonna be like, Josh got in an accident. I recorded three got scripts on my own. Does that get me somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> he got the Rona. He got the Rona. He's busy. <laughs> All right, so let's see what's going on in Antarctica as we try to push through the next 13 pages. Maybe I should have not taken the break right at half an hour. We shall see. Fade in. Exterior, Antarctica. Wait, nope. That's not where I am. Uh, we're... Ah. We're at 216. Cut to aerial shot on the owl ship, night. 
the owl ship streaking through the icy stratosphere above the South Atlantic. Suddenly, it bounces in midair, jerks to the right, and begins to spiral downward into the clouds. Interior owl ship, that moment, night. Dreberg is frantically throwing switches as they lurch to and fro. Finally, he manages to get the ship righted. Rorschach's taken a bad tumble. He picks himself up off the cabin floor and asks, What happened? The guidance system's fried. I had to switch to manual. Some kind of massive electromagnetic shockwave. What caused it? I don't know. Nothing that I can think of outside of a nuclear blast. Dissolve 2. Exterior, Antarctica. Karnak, night. Vite's vast complex is little more than a dim glow, barely visible through a swirling blizzard. Interior, Karnak, information room. Like an information desk? Like there's just a lady sitting there, how can I assist you? <laughs> Are you here to stop plans or add to them? <laughs> Veet sits before his video wall sipping mulled wine from a goblet almost th and they don't know he's a bad guy he's so fucking metal he's got a <laughs> goblet good guys Bring don't me drink the goblets I'll take the wine and put it in something devious <laughs> I'll be in front of the TV wall hmm Uh, simultaneously, two screens labeled Moscow and Washington, D.C. go to sudden blinding white. A second later, the screens show nothing but random video noise. Vite leans back in his chair and cocks an eyebrow, seemingly unperturbed. Exterior, Antarctica, night. The owl ship streaks downward through a total whiteout. Interior, owl ship, that moment. Through the cockpit, Karnak's visible for an instant, then lost in the snow again. I'm taking her down. Radar's blown. I'll have to wing it. Strap in, Rorschach. The ship rocks with the force of a, new, of a premature impact. Exterior, Antarctica, on owl ship, that moment. The owl ship takes a hard bounce against the snow. The hull crumples as the craft tips sideways and plows into a deep drift. A hatch springs open, and Dreberg and Rorschach dig their way out. They're slightly underdressed for this weather. Spotting the lights of Karnak in the distance, they turn up their collars and press on. Interior, Karnak, information room, that moment. Veet's eyeing the closed-circuit circuit, closed circuit security monitor, which shows the exterior of the complex. He spots two tiny figures slogging through the blizzard. As he watches... The screens for London and Paris go white. Exterior, Karnak, a moment later. Dreberg and Rorschach, half frozen and covered in frost, make it to the great metal entry doors and start hang banging. <laughs> I thought it said start hanging. <laughs> so they're like, just pull up okay, and we start got banging. Ah, so how have you been? Oh, I, I, I legit thought you meant they just started banging. He's like, no, not not again. <laughs> it's, like it, it's the costumes, Rorschach. The costumes. Rorschach, Lori's gone. <laughs> You're the only one here You're now. 
Can you make the blots on your face look like Lori? Just even vaguely for me. Just put on the mask and the Rorschach mask. You just got out of prison. You should be used to this. (laughs) Oh, uh, Uh, the woman's in my car. Welcome to Karnak. Please identify. Wait, 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 hold on. No, I, I didn't finish. I just got up to banging and then. Had to talk. <laughs> I got the banging and I didn't finish. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. A the video worst. camera mounted over the door rotates into position. A soothing, computerized woman's voice announces... Welcome to Karnak. Please identify yourself. Adrian, it's Dreberg. For God's sake, open the doors. Nothing happens. Dreberg pounds against the doors. Adrian, we're freezing to death out here. He slumps to the ground exhausted, barely able to draw breath. The snow lies in four-foot drifts against the door. He's not coming, Daniel. Interior, Karnak. Information room. That moment. On the surveillance monitor, Rorschach and Dreiberg shamble off. Veet stands, hits the remote. The picture dies, leaving a mere 199 screens in operation. The wall is now checkerboarded with monitors showing nothing but video snow. As Veet strides calmly out of the room, Prague goes white. Exterior Karnak, night. Dryberg on his knees, half buried in snow. He topples forward, unable to go on. A pair of gloved hands enter frame and yank him upward. Can't move. We're done for. Come on. Found an exhaust vent. Rorschach drags the helpless Dreberg around the side of the complex, where snow blows and flurries at the mouth of a tunnel-like structure. Fight. It's been fight all along. He'll pay for this. Interior, Karnak. Dining hall. Night. Veit alone at a long table in his cavernous dining hall, coolly eating dinner. Behind him, above the mammoth entry doors hangs a tapestry, Alexander slicing through the Gordian knot. Two battered figures creep silently into the hall. Veidt sits calmly, betraying nothing. At his side, the mutant lynx growls. His hand closes tightly around the scruff of the animal's neck. Quiet girl. Rorschach reaches into his trench coat and pulls out... A what is that word? Rhodopsin flasher? Rhodopsin? A Rhodopsin flasher. The same weapon Captain Metropolis used in the opening scene. Suddenly. Vite! Vite whirls. He flings a platter, frisbee style, across the hall. It catches Rorschach on the chin and sends him sprawling. Driver backs against the wall in horror. As the lynx comes sprinting toward him, teeth bared. Veidt claps his hands twice and the cat relents. He reaches for a futuristic stun gun which has been lying on the table all along. Part of the place settings and advances on his old colleagues. Adrian, what are you doing? Why wouldn't you let us in? He's the one. He's he's been the one all along, stalking us. Adrian, you? You you killed Blake and... Yeah. (laughs) 
Why would he say yeah? Because well, he's would he say yeah. yes? Like he, he would say indeed or some shit like that, but not yeah, dude. Like it, it sounds like, like he's. he's it sounds like he's distracted. He's like like looking at his nails. Like yeah, that shit was me. Yeah. No, he, he actually sounds like a Bubsy because he's like yeah, see. Yeah, see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna try it again. I, I actually, I actually want him to be like, "Yeah, that shit was me." Yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, think, see, bitch. <laughs> see, I've been working on a little project. Top secret, of course. Sorry, I lost my place. The missing scientists. Uh-huh. You might recognize the names. Quite a few of them worked at Gila Flats. Gila Flats. Place where John turned into... Dr. Manhattan. Right. Now, if you boys care to join me, we'll go save the world. Interior. Karnak. A moment later. Night. Gun in hand. Vike marches them through the halls of Karnak. Rorschach throws an occasional glance behind him. The lynx is nipping at his heels. Blake thought the Russians were trying to spirit off our researchers to create their own nuclear superman. It wasn't Russia. It was me. When he figured that out, of course, I had to kill him. The rest of it, Rorschach's capture, my assassination, that was just to keep you busy. All that really mattered was getting rid of Dr. Manhattan. What? I couldn't let him interfere with my project. Fight. You're the one who started World War Three. No. I just hastened the inevitable. He's been ready to blow for years. I knew I knew all it would take was a little push. So I um gave his friends and associates cancer. Lori? You're responsible for Fight reaches into his pocket for his gold cigarette case. He pulls out a smoke and strikes it against the box. One thing I've learned about cancer. It's much easier to generate than it is to cure. Drybert, enraged, charges at him. The lynx roars. Veidt swings the stun gun across Drybert's face, knocking him to the floor. And levels the futuristic weapon directly at his head. Let's get something straight. If you try that again, I'll kill you without a moment's thought. They've reached the entrance to Veidt's information room. 200 screens blink and flicker as he waves the gun, gesturing them inside. Call off the cat, and I'll kill you, Veidt. Deal! <laughs> yeah, that's right. Pretty good bargainer. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> Before you do that, you might want to look at what I've been looking at. Interior, information room, a moment later. Veidt points them over to the monitor in the bottom right-hand corner. On screen, the young John Osterman sits in a lab at Kilo Flats, reassembling a watch. What is this? It looks like John. It is John. 24 years ago, before he turned into Dr. Manhattan. Good lord, how'd you get it on tape? It's not on tape. It's live. We're watching it happen. Cut to exterior Mars, Dr. Manhattan's palace, night. Dr. Manhattan peers off the edge of a balcony, while behind him, 
Lori dines at a sumptuously appointed table. She feels as if she's hit the jackpot in some freakish contest, when a dream date on Mars. I almost envy you, Lori. In my present form, I can't die. It's a mystery I'd like to penetrate. Don, I don't want to hear it. I'm sorry. Look, there's a gas storm on the Valis Menarius. Oh God, am I no, I'm no more than a bug on a windshield to you. You're the only human being I care for. Then do me a favor. If the world's gonna end, it shouldn't matter a bit. I, I want you to cure me. I won't do that. You have the power to do it. I want you to do it. Please. I explained this. I can't. That's not the way it happens. John, if you ever love me, if there's anything human left in you, then do it. Eyes wild, she grabs his great blue hand and thrusts it into her chest, where it disappears up to the wrist. Her fingers tighten around his forearm, their gazes locked. Dr. Manhattan shuts his eyes and grimaces as if he's got to make the hardest decision of his life. And then, a brilliant blue aura engulfs them both. It spreads and grows in intensity, suffusing the sky, finally blotting out the vast Martian landscape altogether. With a sudden pop, the aura begins to die. For a split second, we see the figures of Lori and Dr. Manhattan suspended against a great white void. Then colors begin to appear. The crystal castle and the Martian desert gradually materialize around them. The two stumble back from each other and stand there like statues, awestruck. Neither one seems quite sure what's happened. What? A am I? Cured. Yes. Utterly spent, he staggers to the edge of the balcony, grabs a handrail for support. He looks like a man who's just had a heart attack. John? W what is it? What's, what's the matter? When he looks up at her, he's desolate, his face filled with dread. Something incomprehensible has happened. It's all gone blank on me. I can't remember the future. Slowly, very slowly, she draws near and puts her arms around him. John, let's get back to Earth. Cut to interior, Karnak, lab area, night. Vite, Dryberg, and Rorschach enter a lab space, which puts the IF room at Gila Flats to shame. In the midst of the massive whirring machinery sits a glowing blue dome, a bubble of pure energy. Inside its shimmering contours is a little corner of Gila Flats. John Osterman tightens a screw and sets the movement of Janie's watch into its brass housing, totally oblivious to the strange trio watching him from 24 years in the future. Gentlemen, the past unfolding before your eyes. Stand back from the field, it'll blow you to bits. What is it? How does it work? It's a tachyon chamber. It generates subatomic particles which flow backward in time. There are other worlds, Daniel. Other timelines, existing parallel to our own. Adrian, you've lost it. I've seen them. I've seen them in there. Uh, this next part to you as well. 
In some of them, only a few of the human race survives. And it survives because Dr. Manhattan never existed. He draws closer to the tachyon bubble. Off to one side is the camera, which feeds the monitor in the video room. And beside it, mounted on a tripod, is a high-powered telescopic rifle. The creation of Dr. Manhattan was a flashpoint in history. He threw the world balance of power totally out of whack. In his absence, for even a week, virtually guaranteed a catastrophic war. Do you understand now? Do you see what I'm going to do? I'm going to change the past. Exterior, outer space, that moment. Dr. Manhattan and Lori materialize in orbit around the Earth, enveloped in a bubble of oxygen. Far below, the nuclear birds are already aloft. Tiny pinpricks of light flash out over New York and San Francisco. We're too late. It's very strange. Time's flowing backwards. John, what? The South Pole. Time's flowing backwards. Interior, Karnak, lab, that moment. Inside the tachyon chamber, John Osterman fits the glass crystal back into place on Janie's watch. Veet looks on in fascination. At first we could only watch the past. Now we can reach out and touch it. He steps over to the rifle, peers through the telescopic sight. It ate up enough megawatts to light the eastern seaboard for a year and a half. But last week I managed to open a dime-sized hole for almost three seconds. In a minute I'll do it again, and if my aim is true, I'll put a bullet through John Osterman's heart. Dr. Manhattan will never be born. Ah, uh, that should be never have been born. Let's get our tenses <laughs> right, Mr. V. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, why don't, you, why don't you put down your time rifle and learn some grammar, you asshole. Jesus shit. <laughs> Dabrick and Rorschach trade looks of disbelief. And they, and they call me a fucking nut. Adrian, it's too late. The world is blowing up as we stand here. Don't be obtuse, Daniel. If I kill John in the past, none of this will happen. We won't even be here, will we? And what if you're wrong? I'm not. What if you're wrong? Then I've been a very bad boy and you'll have to spank me. Christ! I'm doing what I should have... I'm doing what I have to do to save the godforsaken human race! Exterior, Antarctica. That moment. Night. A pocket of blue haze materializes in the snow-swept skies above Karnak. Inside it, Lori and Dr. Manhattan. That's it. That's the source of the time disturbance. John, where are we? Veet's complex. Interior, Karnak, lab, that moment. 24 years ago, John Osterman is packing his jeweler's tools, folding his swatch of black velvet. In the present, Veet is raving. Your problem, Dan, is your is a lack of vision. You spent all those years chasing after muggers and drug dealers and jaywalkers as if the world was any better for it. And if any of it mattered. You ruthless son of a bitch. 
You really believe this mad scientist bullshit is gonna save the world? We better hope so. It's almost time. He kicks a floor switch. Giant nuclear generators begin to hum. Then he bends over the rifle and peers through the sight. Veet's POV through crosshairs. In the past, John Osterman is reaching for his lab coat when he hears a squeak. He picks up a broom. Interior, Karnak Lab, that moment. A luminescent white spot appears on the surface of the tachyon bubble. There's a hidden whine. There's a hideous whine as a tiny hole begins to open up directly in front of Veidt's rifle. His finger closes around the trigger, and with a terrible crash, the lab wall collapses behind him. Veet dives backwards, dodging rubble, as a blue giant 30 feet tall steps into the lab with Lori at his side. <coughs> what are you doing, Veet? John, get back! You don't understand! Dr. Manhattan stares down at the tachyon bubble and sees himself, his former self, chasing a mouse out of the IF chamber at Gila Flats. His eyes go wide. Even he's surprised. In the ensuing panic, Dreber dives at Veet. Veet manages to sidestep him, frantically trying to get to his rifle. The hole in the bubble has grown to the size of a quarter. Veet lunges toward the rifle. Lori's directly in his path. He shoves her aside. They grapple. He flings her to the ground and points his stun gun directly at her. And a millisecond later, he's aiming at nothing. Dr. Manhattan has instantaneously teleported Lori across the room, out of the line of fire. Veet looks up in horror, just in time to see a blue bolt of lightning launching itself from Dr. Manhattan's outstretched finger. No! And in the wink of an eye, he's vaporized. All that's left is a pair of charred boots, still standing upright. Wait, what? Hold on now? Whoa! Jeff? Care to weigh in? This is one for one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember all this vividly. Um, yeah, this is this is absolutely somebody that took a... I, I'm guessing he just was like, you know, that whole thing where... You know, ends justifying the means and all that. Like, what if, what if it was just plain? Because I don't want to think about it. What <laughs> I just if, want it to be? What if the good the guys win? Yeah, <laughs> that's a new story, right? Everybody go to the movies what if to we see that, right? Watchmen, but like without any of that moral ambiguity. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to think about a movie. I'm just here to eat popcorn. He kills the bad guy who is trying to kill him with a time bullet. I. I mean, I hope there's more to this. I hope Adrian no. pops out of the closet and he's like, no. you fell for my weird clone or something. <laughs> That's great. No, Dr. Manhattan. He's like, uh, I have a change of heart. Poof. All the nuclear things go away and he's fine. Now all is right with the world. The good guys have won. Like in real life. I, I just can't believe what I just read. Honestly, that's so much. Wow, okay. Dreberg rushes over to Lori, takes her in his arms. What was he doing? Trying to change the past. He said it was the only way to save the world. 
Dr. Manhattan stares at the tachyon bubble, mesmerized. Inside, the door to the IF chamber has just swung shut on a terrified John Osterman. He was right. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> he was right, but, but I did it. Rorschach, Lori, and Dreebird stare up at the blue behemoth in puzzlement. Oh, are they trying to give him like a like a comic book nickname? Like, you know, the Scarlet the Speedster. B- blue behemoth? No, the blue behemoth! <laughs> he wins! He wins today. I love that Lori followed him from Mars and the only thing she understood is that he just like disintegrated Vite and then after it was done she's like, yeah! What was he doing? <laughs> 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 I mean, I'm sure he had it coming, but <laughs> what a dick! What was his plan exactly? So I, when I get interviewed about this, I can give him some good answers. Just so we get our story straight, why did we vaporize the smartest man in the planet? <laughs> you know, for my memoir, I gotta know. <clears throat> Shit. Rorschach, Lori, and Dreeberg stare up at the blue behemoth in puzzlement. Dr. Manhattan begins to shrink to normal size. He runs his hand over the surface of the tachyon bubble. Bright blue sparks shoot off in all directions. He did it. Veep broke the code. It's so elegant. It's so obvious. Dr. Manhattan's off in another world, as usual... He wears a beautific smile as he watches his own imminent destruction in the tachyon chamber. Sorry, sorry. John! Space and time. I finally understand, Lori. I see it all now. John, for God's sake, what do you see? I see what the watchmaker made. I see the universe. He lifts his arms. Particles of light appear from nowhere and whiz around his body like super-accelerated fireflies. The lights in the room dim. It's as if Dr. Manhattan is absorbing all the power of the world into his own massive frame. Oh boy. My work here is finished. The others cower. They sense that something large is about to happen. In the past, John Osterman is pounding on the glass of the test chamber. In the present, Dr. Manhattan reaches out to touch the tiny hole in time. He does, and in a blaze of blinding blue light, the tiny rift expands into a shimmering fissure. Dr. Manhattan peels back its edges and steps through into the past. Interior, test chamber, that moment. Jo- oh, God. Is is he going back so he can fuck himself before he's blue? Well, I don't know. He ain't probably done that yet. <laughs> the, the, the concept of... <laughs> so the concept of Dr. Manhattan being able to see time simultaneously in a linear fashion means that if you can see the future, you are always living in the past. <laughs> consist constantly you can change the past by changing the present if you see the future 
That was the whole point of it. Fuck, this is dumb. <laughs> I don't like this anymore. Change the past by changing the present if you see the... F Whoa. Correct. If you can see the future, you're living in the past, even though the you're past in the of present. The future, but not the past of your present. <laughs> yeah, the present becomes the future. Yeah, no, he had none of these conversations before he wrote this fucking thing. Okay, let's let's finish this. <sighs> I'm about done with this script. This is this is like a like a Blu-ray alternative ending that like they're like this is the one we didn't shoot because it's fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, this this one did not test well for some reason. <laughs> So we only have the animatics for it. <laughs> yeah, it's just drawings and shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, interior test chamber. That moment. Uh, John Osterman turns away from the observation panel. To his utter bewilderment, a huge blue figure, surrounded by sparks and smiling gloriously, has materialized in the chamber behind him. Don't be afraid, John. I'll be here with you. A second before the particles cannons kick particle cannons kick in, Dr. Manhattan steps forward and fuses with John, their bodies becoming one. For a moment, John is still visible, with Dr. Manhattan's frame surrounding him, like a translucent shield of pure energy. Then Dr. Manhattan coalesces into a solid protective husk around him. Oh. As the chamber begins to glow, a network of hairline cracks spreads across the shell of his body. Blue light spills through the seams. He spreads his hands. No in pain, but in triumph. And <laughs> no in pain. No in pain. <laughs> and with a blinding flash, Dr. Manhattan explodes outward. <laughs> Million, oh, that was way better. A million fragments merging with nothingness. To expose a dumbstruck John Osterman in his place. The blue light dims and the chamber reverts to normal. Miraculously, he's alive. Astonished, but perfectly intact. Interior, Gilaflax test lab a moment later. The time-locked door pops open and John staggers out into the midst of the odd of his odd colleagues who have seen everything through the observation panel. What in the name of God? The scientists advance cautiously toward the chamber. Janie, sobbing, rushes forward and throws her arms around the dazed John. As she clings to him, her face pressed tightly against his chest, he looks down at his hands. His fist is still closed around... Your watch, Janie. I fixed your watch. Look! The scientist is staring wide-eyed at the rear wall of the chamber. Which isn't there. Instead, there's a rippling, irregular rupture. A pulsating hole in time. And visible beyond it are three odd-looking and very frightened figures. Draper, Lori, and Rorschach. In their stupid fucking costumes. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck are these future people? <laughs> the first... Uh, is there is there like a 
a pervert club on the other side of that wall that we didn't <laughs> no know about? No shit, they look like a bunch of fucking kinky people. They're like, kinky people space time. Like, Get them out of here. My life's work just exploded and did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> They're just all jerking off like oh my God, the tachyon chamber did nothing. About to tack your ions. Rever- Got me. Reverse angle. Veet's lab, the present. Dreberg, Lori, and Rorschach stare through the rupture at the astonished scientists. Astounded what scientists. Ha- what happened? He saved himself. He changed the past. Where did he go? Before Dreber can suggest an answer, the cleft in time begins to throb and shimmer, slowly sealing itself off before their eyes. For a moment, everything's back to normal. And then, to their mounting horror, the room they're in begins to dissolve around them, fading away into a blank white void. A sudden percussive pop. The white void seems to shrivel around them, collapsing into a protective bubble of force as they plunge into... Exterior vortex effect. This... This is getting so bad. Wow. I hate it when they take all the stakes that you built up and then just take them away, like... Also, you know, if time is changing, why the fuck would they be immune to that well like why would they remain from the old timeline and like dropped into the new timeline they wouldn't right because we we would have lost it's Vietnam. because it's because they rubbed tachyon particles on their nuts of course yes i don't know how i didn't think of that <laughs> oh boy welcome to the kinky tachyon party Dreamer, Glory, and Rorschach spinning and tumbling through an other-dimensional funhouse of sound and color. Like a cartoon. If It's like the opening of the Beetlejuice cartoon. Yeah. I love that, I love that with everything in history being changed now, the one constant because Lori exists is that the comedian rapes that chick. <laughs> no, matter, no matter how much they change the time. The only life. constant, the only constant is rape. Right. Why aren't you laughing? Anyway, continue reading about this vortex effect. If space and time could be compressed into a single extravagant e-ticket joyride, this would be it. <laughs> Their bodies contract and distend, warp and elongate. Their tortured mouths emit soundless shrieks, and then, before they know it, they find themselves deposited. Exterior, New York Street, night. Smack in the middle of a busy intersection. Hold on. Oh, God damn it. I don't know why, but uh, I, I tried to play, like, city background sound effects, and just nothing happened. Hey, can, you borrow, can I borrow a dollar? I'm bam, bam. Yeah. Ah. Call. Ah. Ah. So good. <laughs> uh, the three of them materialized from nowhere. A southbound van swerves to avoid them, slamming into a row of parked cars, and a northbound taxi cab does the same, knocking over a fire hydrant. <clears throat> Lori. Oh, sorry. I thought it was over. Uh, Dan, is this 
<laughs> is this New York? Those cars. What year is this? Everything's changed. It's a disorienting world they've landed in. In fact, it's our world, our New York, and everything, the cars, the clothing, the very look of the city, seems just a trifle out of whack. We never happened. Look, I've, I've been in this new version of the world for 30 seconds. I can tell you exactly what the changes are. Holy shit. Bystanders cluster about, laughing and taunting, highly amused by the obvious puzzlement of the freakish trio in their midst. Um, I, I just got to point out something about New York. No. Right. Yeah, no, they just keep walking. <laughs> they wouldn't even be phased. Not look even at, a little look bit. Look at these freaks. <laughs> they could be bleeding to death and they'd be like, nope, keep walking. Is Sam Ham from yeah. Nebraska? The New York <laughs> definitely the, New the York, mid, definitely the Midwest. The New York depicted in the comics wasn't like some fantasy world. <laughs> like it wasn't like off like way off in the fucking distance. I know you got the right? ships and shit, but like in general, it's not like a fucking culture shock. Like, wow, you got gangs here too? And newspapers? And drugs. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think that we're they're seeing like uh Gas guzzling cars instead of electric cars. Um, Nobody's smoking out of those crack pipes that yeah. you've made. Uh, I mean, yeah, some I mean, people are, but they're actual crack pipes. Right, because I, I know in the comics, the science advanced way further because of Dr. Manhattan, because of that inspiration and shit. But like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I, I'm nitpicking at this point. I'm sorry. Yeah, so the cars are different and the cigarettes are different. And Beyond that, uh, that that's all. Like that might stand out to them a bit, but like, I don't know. I I feel like they need longer just to get over not being in the South Pole anymore. <laughs> this ain't our New York. Completely different alien world we're on. I mean, what we just went through taxi? spaghettification, but oh shit, these cars look weird. What? <laughs> Damn it! Whatever. <laughs> Jeff's checking out. I'm, I'm trying. Come man. on, let's knock it out. Let's finish it. Let's knock it out. There are, it out. Of then, course, then we can talk. There are, of course, no costumed heroes in our world, and their sudden presence prompts a babble of speculation amongst the onlookers. Nuts? Fruits? Out of work actors? Rorschach takes a swing at one of the curious who gets a touch too close, and the mood begins to turn hostile. The crowd, now grown to several dozen people, is threatening to block the intersection altogether. A mounted policeman rides up on his stallion and blows a shrill whistle. In our timeline, all the horses are electric, too! <laughs> They're treating this like it's Planet of the Apes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. That, that's so good, actually. Oh my god, they still ride around on horses! Yep. Exterior newsstand that moment. The same newsstand we've seen all along. But luckily, here in our world, the headlines are only mildly discouraging. Russian summit talks collapse. Like everyone else, our old friend the news vendor is gaping at the ruckus on the street. Jesus Christ, it must be Halloween. 
His sidekick, the small black kid who reads comic books, points to the befuddled trio on the street and laughs in gleeful recognition. Shit, man, it's Rorschach and Night Owl. What are you talking about? Superheroes, check it out. He thrusts a comic book into the news, fuck this, into the news vendor's hand and races off to join the growing throng of rubberneckers. The news vendor stares down at the costume characters in the comic book, Watchmen, and fuck this, and th- throws a cockeyed squint at their real-life counterparts on the street. All right, they must be on a case. Fuck this. Exterior street, that moment, night. Horns blare, all traffic has stopped. The intersection is mobbed with curious onlookers. By now, a half-dozen beat cops have arrived to clear the streets and restore order. Break it up. Stand back. Come on, you three. Is this some kind of publicity stunt? Dreber, Glory, and Rorschach have fallen into a tight circle. They don't know what to expect, and they're poised for a brawl. The taunting crowd gives them plenty of room. Even the cops are hesitant to advance. Dan, what do we do now? Wherever we are, it's better than what we left. Backs together. We'll tell them what's happened. They'll listen to reason, won't they? They better. And on Rorschach's final vicious hiss, we shock cut to black and fade out. The end. That's embarrassing. Wow. Embarrassingly bad ending. The the cringe thing is that I can imagine him sitting at home at his computer, and he's like, "This is gonna blow their minds. Like they they're, they're gonna see them, and there's a comic book of the Watchmen. Wow." Um. Thanks. I, I hate it. I, I, I think that's broken my spirit. Uh. Though, honestly, I would watch a whole movie of just them explaining what happened. <laughs> I, would watch, I would watch a whole movie. Yeah, I would watch half that movie. As long as the first half is flashbacks to them beating up random people on the street for looking at them and laughing. <laughs> oh, I love it. Nobody does that. Nobody gives a shit. They just like point and laugh and walk by like they're not yeah, like oh I'm gonna even. be aggressive at you motherfucker like I, I think more likely I think more likely you glance up and you just look down because you don't want to make eye contact because they might ask you for money yeah the creepies wearing the leather costumes like you don't take last stand formation like on a crowd of 12 people in New York <laughs> just going about their days like backs together motherfuckers we're to have to fight holy well, shit uh, they have that, horses taking, he's taking fucking swings he does his bystanders he's like I'm gonna fucking punch you all, all solutions to all problems are punches he's eyeballing that horse you're gonna get punched officer punch you. I'm gonna turn you into glue motherfucker and what the fuck is with that kid? Oh, they must be on a case. Motherfucker, they're comic book characters. If you see Superman and Batman walking down the road, you don't think, oh, shit, some shit must be going down. You think, oh, there's some assholes dressed as Superman and Batman. Nice costume. Yeah, <laughs> or, let's take, wow, let's take a picture. more time on that. Like, 
can I get can I get a picture real quick? Yeah. This get away from me! <laughs> Not like, oh fuck! I hope there's no Joker gas around here. Also, you just landed in the mo one of the most expensive cities in America. You got to find a place to live. So you got to start a whole new life. This is fucked up. Doctor Manhattan <laughs> fucked all y'all. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. Also, in a completely nonsensical way. Guys, I, I hated it. I fucking hated it. <laughs> I was, I was holding it together with a really thin line of just the, this super shallow version. Right? It's just one man's opinion on what that comic stood for, and it was, it wasn't a very deep opinion. And then at the end, he just went off the fucking rails. That the the time bullet. Uh, Dr. Manhattan killing Vite and then doing the plan anyway. Is this even the end? No, they set it up so they could have a Watchmen 2. Watchmen 2. Watchmen Boston in New York. New York. <laughs> Watchmen take Manhattan. Watchmen escape from New York. Oh my god. There's a whole series. You got Dan Dryberg trying to figure out how to make a new owl ship out of a VW bug. They actually took the sequel to this movie and just made Coneheads instead. Nanu, <laughs> <laughs> Nanu. Yeah, yeah, they try to explain, as they said in the end of the script here. They're, they're trying to explain what actually happened. And in the end, they just go, Wait, come from France! <laughs> That's gonna I, have to suffice. Even the even the the thing where Doctor Manhattan. So so, I, and I think they touched on it in the in the scene on Mars. I, I'm probably letting shit run together, but like you know, him finally coming to terms that he wants to save Earth because he realizes that life itself is actually a miracle because it's such a it's a it's a occurrence of such random events. Uh, and then it turns out deep down in his heart, the only thing he wished he could do was actually change events but the whole time he's like i can't interfere i see the future i can't change anything but the moment he gets a shot he's like oh i'm gonna do it <laughs> i'm gonna take that fucking shot what the fuck i i, have, pretty... I, I, I don't even have words i can't i liked most of it it was liked, mostly like, okay. Mostly it was all right because the, I mean, the source material is hard to fuck up, but then they like took all of the major points and just destroyed them. Like, okay. So summary of the whole script. We oh. start with a fuck up at the Statue of Liberty that we didn't need. And then there's a bunch of Cliff's notes of Watchmen. And then shit just goes off the fucking rails and into Dumbtown. I completely forgot about the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, right? That part. <laughs> Holy shit! It was worse than what I thought. <laughs> Remember that time when it sucked more? Well, I guess, Sam Ham, I guess Sam Ham finished reading the comic and then was like, yeah, but whatever happened to Captain Metropolis? This question needs to be answered. Be, and he didn't even answer what was the deal with Dr. Manhattan. He's... <laughs> He didn't even bother. Fuck. And for those reasons, I'm out. <laughs> That's a note from me, dog. Why did Keep Dr. Manhattan... Doc Go ahead, Josh. Why did Why did Man Dr. Manhattan have to be vaporized? I feel like 
It didn't have to be. Because he turned himself into a suit of armor so that he caught all the energy. I don't fucking know. I thought it would have been. So I, I thought it was going to go a different way, and I was hoping it would go this way. I was hoping that Dr. Manhattan would fuse with John Osterman, creating like a time loop. So, like, when he became Dr. Manhattan originally, this was. The, this is the problem. Like, this is the new problem they have to solve in the next so, episode. So all of reality takes is place only from the yeah. moment that jo- that uh, Doctor Manhattan is created. Exactly. Yeah. Up to the time that's that what he I was hoping. The time bubble. All of reality. That's what is I was caught in that. Yeah, because because like so he like sees it and then he like I figured it out and then he goes back and he, his intent is and nobody to fix else it. knows. They're yeah. Just living in yeah. this time loop. Meanwhile, you've got Dr. Manhattan, who's been in it through, like, 10 billion iterations. Yep, yep. And yeah, then it's just, more like... I love it. We're, yeah, this, why, this, why do we always make this shit better? Right? Like, V, Wait, I'm v gonna... is the good guy in that. So he, And then, like, you, you cut to a scene where he's laying there and he's dead. He's vaporized or whatever. Rather than being completely vaporized, like, he's, he's laying there. And then, like, it cuts to him and you're like... Oh fuck! He's the only person that could have fixed this, and he's fucking right. dead again and again and again and again. Um, also, can we just talk real briefly about the fact that Doctor Manhattan vaporizes the motherfucker and then immediately goes, "Oh shit, he was right." <laughs> like he doesn't see the future. I also feel like Vite would is the kind of person that would, uh, if if he had this ability to to create a, a, a small hole in reality to send something to the past. He like sent himself a letter that was like, go hop in this machine in the Gila Flats and you become Dr. Manhattan and then you fix all the shit. Here's a list of shit that's wrong. Don't make these mistakes. That's or just true. just shove through Gray's sports almanac. <laughs> Damn it, Biff. Well, he's already rich. He doesn't need that. <laughs> uh, the the, the or, I'll fix it Sam Ham style. So what Doctor Manhattan would have done in the alternative version is he went back in time and he trapped himself in the thing, and then he cranked that bitch up to a hundred instead of fifty, and he became double Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like a double, please. Or he just, why does he gotta shoot the motherfucker? Just stick a note through and say, "Get out." Yeah, yeah, send, him like, an, send him an extra watch battery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just get it the same watch and throw it in there. there like, <laughs> it's already fixed. Wow, that was fast. Oh, oh. man. <laughs> Josh. It's quarantine time. Uh, how can people send some work your way? Oh, man. I'm doing all kinds of work lately. I'm doing... Uh, real estate work and i'm doing like story-based video content and i'm i actually started a fucking tiktok <laughs> he did he's got some, some some very entertaining recipes on there i watched the uh, I love potato pancakes today and i loved it dude they're they're good man uh so you can reach out to me at josh j-o-s-h at joshuajbaker.com if you're in the Atlanta area, I would love to help you out with some of your content creation needs. Uh, Jeff, uh, if you need to find him, you can find him at the hotel bar drinking away the script. <laughs> <laughs> Is the bar open? There's a bar open at that hotel? 
I don't know. There, there was a lady uh, during the next episode. Uh, I'm gonna change shirts and I'm gonna drink a boba tea because there was a chick in the parking lot with a boba tea set, set up, and I was like, I know I'm late to this recording, but fuck, I'm gonna get one of these. <laughs> Guys, you know how our music just ran out? I yeah. literally made that so, so that I was like, I will never talk that long. We'll never run out oh, of music, no. and we just ran out of music. <laughs> That's how much this script broke us. That's not fair. We fixed it with six alternative endings. It's true. That's not that's not us, that's us bantering. That's us working. So guys, um I have completely re re uh, engineered the Table Reads Podcast website at tablereadspodcast.com. It's not that different. It's uh it just works better. So you can go to tablereadspodcast.com uh for all the stuff you need, or if you just want to go straight to the links where you can get all our stuff, uh hit the link tree uh at linktree slash table reads. Um also don't forget, sign up for Patreon, guys. Uh you can <sighs> be here live streaming with us right now for just $5 a month. Uh, and that's it. That's all. Um, we we're leaving now and we will be, we will be back next week with part one of George Lucas's the star Wars first draft of star Wars from 1974. So look forward to that. And until then we will miss you. This podcast was created by Sean McBee. For more, visit TableReadsPodcast.com. Cut to black.